0: Everything will be all right. Everything thing is gonna be alright.
1: Good day and welcome to the pandemic show. Stories of the pandemic for people living in the pandemic. No one is alone on the pandemic show. On today's show, Dave zooms to downtown Toronto to talk with Lisa Humber about her pandemic experiences as a member of the arts community. The pandemic made her realize all time is precious as life can change so quickly. Lisa passed through the Hong Kong airport in January 2020 and her gut told her the world was about to change. The pandemic has stopped Lisa from working in live theater and made arts workers another casualty of COVID. Lisa encourages everyone to be brave and not to get lost in the fear and anxiety of uncertainty. We are adapting to our circumstances.
2: Welcome to the Pandemic Show. Today, we're talking with Lisa Humber.
1: Lisa, where are you? Are you still in
2: Toronto during the pandemic?
0: Yes, I am right in downtown Toronto, very close to Chinatown, very close to Kensington Market. I'm in the heart of the center of the city.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. There's a lot of interest on how people are doing in Toronto and the big global cities of the world. We can't thank you enough for being with us. So thank you. And how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. I'm so honored to be here. I love, love you. Love the pandemic. It's really thrilling. As you know, I have my own talk show and I'm always the one asking the questions nobody ever asks me questions. So I'm really excited to have the rules a little bit reversed here.
2: The pandemic show, we punch above our weight. Today, we're talking with Lisa from Checking From Away, the podcast, which I'm a big fan of. And that's what inspired me to reach out to you. I've also been listening to your new music project that's out. Can you tell us what was your life like before the pandemic?
0: Sure. I'm a full-time arts worker. I've been working in the arts, only in the arts, for about 15 years. Specifically backstage, I am a facilitator and and an executioner of other people's art form. And specifically, I was working in live events, commercial theater, different corporate events, live music, all the things. So I was the booker at the Painted Lady of great music venue here in Toronto. And I also was the stage manager for a little musical called Come From Away that had been playing in Toronto for three years. I was in it. I was in the art scene. I was doing eight shows a week with Come From Away. I was booking live music at the Painted Lady. And I've always had my fingers in tons of different pots. So I always had some kind of extra artistic projects on the go. But mostly, I will say it was always facilitating other people's art and other people's dreams, which I love to do. I love to talk to people, have an idea, on a piece of paper and then if in a few weeks or a few months, that idea turns into something tangible. It's a play or it's a book or it's a song. And I love being the one that helps push the project forward. That's
2: fascinating. My family's a Stratford Festival family. We go and see the musical every year there. We were sad we couldn't go last year. It looks like we might not even be able to go this year and they just opened a, a theater. But one of the things I'm looking forward to now after the pandemic is going to see a Mervish production down in Toronto, and if I'm lucky, it'll be something that you're working on.
0: Woo! Yeah, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, come from away, we'll be back in the fall, and if you're there with your family, let me know. We'll go backstage, we'll do all the things, because if we're allowed, of course, I don't know what the pandemic's gonna change the rules, but for me, I think, like, Art is such an essential part of humanity and working. I like to pull back the curtain. I like to show people. There is real people that are here making the art happen. I have such respect for the performers on stage, but for every one performer on stage, there's two or three people behind the scenes making that happen. I love to give people a glimpse into that world because it makes it real for them. They're like, oh yeah, actually, what about that person who runs the soundboard or does the lights or, oh yeah, these are, there's hundreds of other people that work in the arts that don't necessarily have a face to, you know, to their work. So hundred percent, I'd love to show you around and bring your family and have that experience with you.
2: Oh my goodness. It's a pleasure and honor of which I am sensible. Thank you ever so much. So you were busy working, making the magic happen in the arts community in Toronto Working in live theater, and then the pandemic struck.
0: That's right, the pandemic struck. So I'll tell you, Dave, that in January of last year, I premiered a show that I have been involved in Singapore. And at the end of January, I was flying home through the Hong Kong airport. And as you know, the pandemic had already hit in Asia quite, quite intensely by the end of January. And I remember sitting in the airport in Hong Kong and being really freaked out. I was like, there's something going on here that I don't understand because we've never had any sort of real experience like that in North America. And I came back to Canada and I was freaked out. And I was telling my colleagues, I'm like, you guys, this is huge, this is big. I don't want to sound like a a total freak, but like, we got to prep. I'm like, I think we should get some mass. I really think we should get prepped. I said, if you saw what I saw, you would be feeling this too. And everyone's like, oh, Lisa, you're so funny. Oh, whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. I'd rather have someone take the pit, uh, you know, make fun of me a little bit, but at least I feel a little bit secure in my paranoia rather than all of a sudden be hit with this thing and go, why didn't I listen to my gut? Why didn't I follow this? So I did. I had like called my sister who lives in Sudbury and I was like, "Can you send me some N95 masks cuz they had already been sold out in Toronto because other people had already caught on to this." And she was like, "Okay." And I I did stock up on toilet paper. I didn't hoard it, and I had canned goods and all that. And all this was all in early February without, you know, ever knowing that the pandemic would actually hit to the extent that it did in North America. And so, you know, We were doing Come From Away, it was a usual week, eight shows, I remember it was a Friday, we were in rehearsals to put in a new cast member. And the whole week leading up to it, the audiences were getting smaller and smaller because the Royal Alexandra Theatre fits over a thousand people. So, you know, we go from a thousand and then you're like, oh, there's 800. Oh, and then there's like only 600. This is weird. Like a show has been sold out for three years. So seeing these smaller house sizes, you could feel that there was a lot of weird, nervous energy happening in that last week. People were getting scared to gather in large crowds. And so on Friday, March 13th, we did a show and there was literally I think 200 and 250 people in the audience and you could tell that there was this sense of something really everybody was vibrating at a different level even in the audience you could feel it like people weren't talking really and the house was really small and we were looking at it and I was going okay something huge is about to happen. The whole week leading up to it, they had been talking about the pandemics coming and we don't know what this means. And maybe we're going to be staying at home and all this stuff. And the next day we got a text message saying, don't come to the show today. It's been canceled. We'll be in touch on Monday. We're not sure for how long, maybe for a week, maybe for the weekend, but we'll let you know. I'm like, okay, sure. Great. Got the weekend off. I've been working six days a week for three years. I'll take a couple extra days off. No problem. Right. And then of course, come Monday, we get a we get an email from the company saying, okay, we're gonna shut the show down for one month, but we'll be back in April. No problem. We'll see you in a month. Everybody has their job and everyone's like, oh great, okay, we get a month off. Oh my gosh, we've been working like crazy for the last three years. Cool. I will admit that I am a workaholic. I find such comfort and and control and really at ease in the midst of chaos. Like I love being around work all the time and I love new projects and I love facilitating projects. That's my go-to like comfort zone, which kind of sounds crazy, but that's what it, that's what it was. So I thought, okay, yeah, I have a month to just hang out at home and chill. And as we know the month has turned into we're on month 11 now, essentially it's been just over 11 months since the show shut down. As we also know all sectors of the entertainment industry across North America have shut down and been closed. We were one of the first to go. We will be one of the last to come back. Everybody that I know, having been an arts worker for over 15 years, works in the arts. So I keep having to remind myself that there's actually a huge percentage of the population that still goes to work every day, that still has their regular incomes, that still has their jobs. They have different challenges than I, that I have, but you know, The percentage of art workers are so small, and yet the casualty of COVID has been so catastrophic for arts workers. We're not not going to work because we don't want to. We we just can't. And artists are resilient, and artists are absolutely adaptable. And I think artists pivot all the time. You know, I kind of find that word a bit weird, the pivot word. Artists pivot all the time, even before the pandemic, right? Like, you're like, okay, that's just part of the creative creative collaboration, artists are constantly pivoting. So we're really good at doing that. Unfortunately, you know, you can only do so many live streams. You can only do so many things on Zoom. You can only do so many things on YouTube. What makes art and theater and music so special is sharing space and how we can't do that right now. It's been a really interesting 11 months. And that's like, I totally went off the rails from your original question, but uh, yeah.
2: I was very informed of from the
0: beginning of being in the Hong Kong airport everybody there masked yeah everybody there masked. everybody they were doing some temperature stuff everybody was there masked, and and you could just tell like people were not and again I had never been to the Hong Kong airport I'm like oh maybe this is just how it is all the time right yeah. like, you know but some people wearing face shields on the plane and there's me from Canada like be like Where's my uh, nuts and my beer? Like, what's happening? There just was this energy that felt really strange. And again, I didn't know if it was always like that or if it was because. And now, of course, in hindsight, it was because of this pandemic.
2: It's interesting, your story then coming back and talking to people, but still making sure you were prepared from that knowledge in Hong Kong, because we look for masks and PPE and I don't want to go to jail or anything, but I did end up getting some N95s, black market N95s. I had to drive down to Toronto and get them in a parking lot. I don't want to say what I paid, but I got them for my mom and her partner who are seniors. And we had so little information and we were so unprepared from a PPE perspective. I just thought, well, I have to do what I have to do to protect my family.
0: Yeah, 100%. And that was the same as me. And it was like my family was actually in the United States, when this happened, my sister and her kids were in March break in the US, my parents are snowbirds. And I remember calling them on March 17th and saying, Justin Trudeau just said, like, come back to Canada if you're away. I said, you guys have to get in the car and come back tomorrow. And they were like, Oh, no, it's not that bad. You know, they're in Florida, they're not getting the same information that we're getting at all. Like, The information that was being put out in the news in the U.S. and specifically in Florida was very different. Like, oh, it's just a little extra flu. Oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Whereas here in Canada, like our prime minister got and stated to the nation, like, if you're outside of Canada, come home right now. We are, stuff is about to get real, right? And, and I remember calling my family and my parents started going, okay, okay. And my sister was there with her kids, March break. She's like, oh, it's March break. We'll come after. We don't want to ruin our vacation because again, the information that was coming and going, it, it was such a scary time, right? And we've never, ever collectively had an experience like this ever in our lifetimes, really to this yeah. level. It's so interesting to see how different governments in different countries and different regions were dealing with what was happening. And so somewhere as close slash as far as Florida had entirely different information. It was business as usual. Whereas like I said, our prime minister was saying, come home right now, don't leave your house. This is going to be a catastrophic event, right?
2: So you go through the airport, they were doing all kinds of stuff in Hong Kong. You come back, you hear a little bit of in the news in February, and then in March, boom, it hits. People think it's gonna be a short term situation. Have you at any point thought you've had COVID or been tested for COVID?
0: I've never thought I've had COVID. I have been tested a few times throughout the year, and mostly they were for work-related issues, like having to be able to work and share space as an artist. You know, it's really hard to put up a show or really hard to be on a film set with other people or to do those sort of things without sharing space with other people. So I have gotten tested a couple times to, to say, oh, here's my clean test. And yes, I can share space with these people in a rehearsal hall for the next week and I'll be fine. And, and so I've gotten tested, but I have never had a COVID fear myself. I've been pretty, pretty good at following the rules. I actually think masking, social distancing, washing your hands. If you follow those three things, I personally feel like you're going to be okay.
2: If we take the precautions, And I think that's what's really different about now coming out of the second wave, prepping for the third. We didn't know what was going on at the beginning of this last March, St. Patrick's Day 2020, but everybody stayed home and we've learned. Some people have been kind of driven close to the breaking point, I think, by this whole thing with the pandemic blues and the isolation. But now we have all these strategies to keep ourselves safe. does make me really sad, though, when I see discarded PPE or those horrible horrible pictures that are on the internet of helpless animals tangled in PPE. That does break my heart, but at least we have PPE now. And like you said, we can now be safe together apart and still make things happen.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, is that it's become so obvious to me. Is like, we can't mitigate the virus. There's no way to do that. I'm not a scientist. I'm an artist. I, I do the deep dives. I, I do my research and listen in, in an objective manner. And I do think that this kind of way of life is here to stay we're never going to go back to what we were like before the pandemic hit and we can't mitigate the virus you know as we know things are changing on a daily basis and how do we eliminate like we can't stay inside for the rest of our lives we can't keep our borders closed forever like how is that possible so i feel like we have to be able to start really taking the public health guidelines seriously and yeah. I feel like we'll be able to find a way to find a good balance like how we can share space and be around each other and not have this isolation I've definitely had you know some great times in the pandemic but like anyone I mean I'm a single woman who lives alone you know it' can be very isolating I, I always joke with my friends I'm like dinner for one day 350 I think that how do we can't mitigate we can't eliminate so how do we move forward. And I think there's ways of moving forward. And we just, you know, we have to, we also have to be brave, right? We're so there's so much fear mongering and there's so much misinformation that we have to kind of sometimes go, okay, let me be a little bit brave and wear my mask and maybe socially distance, but see my friend and and it's going to be okay. If I follow the guidelines, I'm going to be okay.
2: We're going to just continue to adapt till we start having a happier, more fulfilling life. I found it really interesting how you said the arts is part of it or one of the main things about it is it's the sharing space where you come together. And that really does help me understand the difference between this pivot to the online. I see the videos of the people in Wuhan and they're all wearing masks in the club. So,
0: yeah, and I also
2: saw an article that said, now that people are under a mask, you have to really look more at, at their eyes and other things. So you can find people potentially even more attractive without being able to see their face. It's interesting. It's really interesting too, because there was kind of like that Islamophobic vibe in certain elements in Canada. You can't cover your face. And now like we're all covering our faces. So much can change in such a short period of time. Now, TV is TV and movies still happening in Toronto?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, and ACTRA, which is the film union here in Canada, they have really, really, really strict regulations. Like it's extremely safe and yes, it's still happening which is great. And it's really, really started taking off here in Toronto, they are doing some big blockbuster films, some big series, which is excellent, excellent. And again, you know, it's uh, it's hopefully, for me, again, my main medium being the theater industry, like there is no Policy or any information happening towards how we're going to open up theaters, but the fact that film and TV is happening—that's great. Arts workers are going back to work. There's a lot of theater people that are moving into the film and TV sector right now. A lot of people that had positions like myself that are taking on jobs as COVID officers or or people that are doing administration work. And I know speaking with someone last week and like one of the series in Toronto, which I won't name, they're they've upped their budget by $1 million because it costs them $1 million per week for everything they have to do with COVID. Now, this is not realistic. For every single arts worker, arts company, like you think about some of the smaller regional theatres, some of the things I'm sure that you have in Kitchener, Waterloo, you know, the Stratford Festival is a little bit bigger, so they'll maybe be able to adapt, but a million dollars of your budget every week is going to PPE and to safe working practices for COVID, which again, isn't realistic either. So, you know, it's going to make,
2: it's going to make the theatre and things more unattainable for the masses. And for the people with the least amount of money in their pocketbook, which is unfortunate. Exactly. We're in the middle of February. Today, we got dumped on huge. I just used my snowblower to clear out the laneway and came in, had a peppermint tea. And it's like, I cannot wait till spring. Oh, me too. Because then we can gather outside. I know I was jamming with Carmen's whistle pigs and some other musical projects and having my music lessons outside, being able to get outside and be comfortable will be bring back some of that togetherness that I think has really been missing since November, but we have been overall having really a nice weather year
0: for the pandemic. For sure. I think this is like our first huge snowfall all year and it's the middle of February you know often we get snowstorms as of as early as November so it's been really good and like you I'm living for spring right now I definitely am not one of those people that goes like oh I'm counting down the days or I'm checking off my calendar because I feel like all time is precious and you know again if the pandemic has taught me anything it's that like your life can change in the matter of moments without you having any say or any, any say or anything to do with it. Like, it's like my whole entire life changed overnight. And I had, there was nothing I could do to get it back. Nothing. And there still isn't. And it's, and not because I don't want it. Not because I'm not trying. There's literally, it's out of my hands. And so I definitely feel like I don't take any days for granted. So I'm not, I, so when I say like, I'm living for spring, I'm definitely not sitting around going, oh, I'll, if one spring comes, I'll do that. But it definitely, allows more for what you're talking about sharing space like the summer was an amazing summer it was one of the best summers I have had in so long because you know I never realized how much I took for granted how much we touch people and how how the intimacy even between friends, like sitting next to a friend on a park bench and squeezing their arm or, or you know, like seeing someone and kind of sitting a little too close to them or nuzzling up next to them and all the things we do of to touch and, and intimacy. Again, amongst friends, I'm not even talking romantically. I, I never realized how much we did that, how it's such a part of us, our human nature and I'll never take that for granted again but being able to share space with people and see the you know their expressions and the energy coming off of them and the fireworks coming out of their eyes like for me I can't wait to do that again because the winter has been a little bit a little bit intense too cold right now to go do that I mean I guess I could go if I was wearing right the right gear but
2: <laughs> yeah you need the right gear yeah um, and we don't really know when spring will arrive because the weather has changed been changing and winter's kind of coming later and sticking around. And then Lucy the lobster didn't even make her prediction on Groundhog Day. And you know, some of the groundhogs made predictions, but they're only right 33% of the time. And nobody even saw Wyerton Willie make his prediction. And that's kind of who I've been going by. So I don't know when to expect spring, but hopefully by the long weekend in May.
0: Yes, I hope so. But I hope even before that, for me, as long as it's like, more above zero I'm like okay I can I can deal with this I can go outside and hang out and you know do that kind of thing so.
2: I can't imagine what it's like I live out in the country so I just sit outside with a bonfire and listen to the birds and enjoy myself and you can have a small number of people physically distance outside but with so few public spaces in Toronto I, I really just have a lot of respect for how people are making it work there. Has rents come down and housing kind of opened up for people in Toronto?
0: I mean, definitely rents are coming down. A lot of people are leaving Toronto. Tons and tons of people, especially arts workers, especially people that were working in the entertainment industry, in the service industry, people working in bars and restaurants. Like, so many people are living in the city. I personally know quite a few people that have left Toronto because they couldn't afford it. So there's tons of places available, and the rents are down because there's no Airbnbs anymore. Half of Toronto was all you know, the market was all pushed up because of all the Airbnbs and the rental properties, in the income properties. So there is a lot of that happening. I mean, thankfully, the place I'm in, I've been in for a long time and I uh, actually am, you know, grateful. I actually own my place, which is great. So I don't have the fear of losing my house anytime soon, which again, you know, that on top of... Just the sh- global stress, the thought every month, am I going to still be able to live here? So many people I know are going through that. Thankfully, that's not something on my list. I'm so grateful for that. But I will say that, you know, condo living, downtown Toronto living, it's true. It's so funny. I was chatting with some friends from Sudbury and they're like, yeah, but you know, you, you hang out with people like they come to your driveway, you tailgate, you have a drink. And I said, we don't have driveways. We live in condos like there's nowhere to tailgate. Like it's we can't do that. It's, and like, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. So, you know it's like in the condo but it's funny my neighbor and I she's in the condo right next to me we'll chat a lot in the hallway like little things like that but are usually what would have been a two-minute chat pre-pandemic that was like an hour chat you know mm-hmm. it's like we're both in the hallway so we're not really breaking the rules we're not part of the same household we're just passing through the hallway but we'll go oh yeah it's been an hour that we've been chatting okay so so that's sort of stuff and zoom for sure like I connect with people on zoom all the time the phone call like I have to tell you I am a girl who was a teenager in the 90s so talking on the phone I used to do that every night of my life so I have to (laughs) say I have talked on the phone with more people this year than I had in the last 20 years all together and to talk to people on the phone that I never talked to before I'm like well we can't hang out so let's chat on the phone so I definitely feel like for me personally I'm a person who is always reaching out always trying to connect always checking in with people and like I said dinner for one day 350 is <laughs> a little annoying but nonetheless I feel like I don't feel alone because I feel like I'm always connecting with people every single day. And if there's a day that I'm not connecting with someone, it's me going, I need, I need a day alone to watch TV for eight hours and just like, you know, shut out, so.
2: What are you watching? What are you watching these days?
0: Okay, so I honestly, I just started rewatching The Walking Dead, which is so scary. And uh, it's really, really awful and violent. And I guess it's a bit twisted because they're going through a catastrophic like, yeah. thing in planet Earth, but we're nowhere near that bad. And also, I'm like a huge fan of old school law and order. Like I've been watching old school law and order from the first season. And it's so funny to watch how dated it is right how like how quickly technology moved in the last 20 years I'm like oh yeah wow look at that they don't even have a cell phone so I just watch those kind of shows but also my biggest joy is I started a book club during the pandemic and again like I was saying before I used to work between 60 and 80 hours a week every week Dave like and I didn't even realize how complacent I had become I didn't do anything for myself anymore my even though I thought, oh, I'm so connected. I'm such an artist. I go out all the time. I do this and that. I actually, I actually was not doing anything for myself anymore. I started a book club. I love reading. It's with eight other women. And last year, essentially we read all novels written by BIPOC authors because, you know, I know it's, it's something so small, but it was such, it was important for us as eight white women from Ontario to try and have a deeper understanding.
2: Just for people that aren't aware of the acronym BIPOC.
0: Black Indigenous People of Color. And so read some amazing novels we meet every other week. We have incredible conversations. This year we're reading mostly women authors and kind of deeping into the more feminist side of things. But And my goal this year in 2021 is to read one book a week. So I'm just so far, I'm on it. I've read my one book a week. But I have to say, like, reading has really it was my first love as a child was reading, I was that nerd who was always at the library reading everything. And so kind of gotten back to that in the pandemic, which is good. But I think the biggest thing is, like I said, I was so complacent in my life before, I didn't even realize it. I was such a workaholic. And I was so I thought I was fulfilled, but I was actually so unfulfilled, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I love being a stage manager. I loved what I did, but I had lost sight of balance.
2: Is the government helping musicians and people in the theater industry that need help, or is somebody helping these people? or Are they just having to pivot and survive on their own because the hospitality industry, the live music, it's very similar to the theater industry, where they've been yeah. shut down by no fault of their own, just by how this horrible virus affects people.
0: Yeah, I would say that the short answer is no. There hasn't really been any help. I know that some of the larger organizations, some of our, our associations, the Canadian Council for the Arts and some of the bigger granting bodies, there is some funding coming in to help support, but how do you how do you decide who gets the money? It makes we, winners.
2: I, it makes winners and losers. It doesn't make everybody equally exactly supportive.
0: Who decides? Like, and also, what is an, an extra five hundred dollars in the whole year going to do for me when I haven't actually been able to make an income for eleven months, including all my friends? So you think about people that have are dual arts worker in incomes with families and children yeah. and all of the things like. The CERB was really, really helpful and great for people. And again, it's to me, it's such a, such a, it's highlighted such an inequity in our social system period, right? Like this idea of basic income for all and, and the things that need to happen. I I feel like everybody wants to listen to their favorite album. Everybody wants to watch the favorite show on Netflix. Everybody's streaming the national theaters coolest play on on youtube you know people are listening to podcasts like the pandemic and they're listening to check in from away and they're reading books the thing is is that these things don't just like aren't made in a factory and they're not just you don't buy them at the dollar store but people do to make a living that's their job it's not you know i'm not a hobbyist you know my job is being an arts worker and i don't have anything else to fall back on i've never had a job since 2004 that wasn't working in the arts ever so wow. and, and as a lot of people that I know as well, there's such a blinder about the fact that it's real people that are making these things. It's real people that are giving you these things. Like think about the dark days of the pandemic, like March, April, May of 2020. What did you do? You sat at home and you listened to your favorite music or watched your favorite films or rewatched your favorite series. Well, how, how do you have all of those things? And that's why I think art is essential work. Like without that, what would we have done? like what would people be doing and and the fact is is that no one's talking about what's happening with artists and I and you know and restaurants again I have a lot of friends that own bars restaurants that work in the service industry but at least there's pushes towards like you know tons of pushes between like eating local uh, ordering takeout takeout Wednesday all these sort of things trying to be able to income no one's talking about saving the arts no one's talking about local musicians think about people that toured 350 days out of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how they made their income, right? Like and also creating art is expensive because no one's making any money anymore. Like think about, you know, I've just started recording my own music, but I've had one person pay 99 cents on iTunes to buy the song because everybody streams music now and it goes to all of the it goes to all of the big companies like The streaming royalties, as we all know, this is like 0.03 cents per stream, right? Like, what is that? And like I said, one person out of the, you know, thousand streams my songs have gotten now one person paid 99 cents for it, which I was like shocked. I was like, oh my God, someone paid for it because it's, again, we live in this world, this consumerism, fast food world where people just want one. And also it's not on the average listener or the average person in Canada like of course they don't have the information there is no advocacy for arts and arts workers so how are people even supposed to know like I don't blame any of the consumers because generally people don't know they go oh I just want to be entertained they don't think about all the other things that happen
2: yeah it's complex it'll be interesting to see what happens in the spring I know I used to spend money on tickets and go to things and I haven't been able to do that I did get Netflix and I have been just streaming I've listened to all your material on streaming streaming has gotten me through the pandemic in a lot of ways because I can listen to I've been listening to a lot of the Stratford music scene there's such a rich and vibrant music scene in Stratford it definitely seems like it's something worth collective action though to make sure that the arts are here and our artists are okay through the pandemic Thomas Andrew season one he's in Vietnam and he said the pandemic will run its course and then it will have run its course now I hope that's true I was all like looking forward to the Roaring Twenties. Like 2019, I'm like, oh, the Roaring Twenties. I should maybe get like a throwback outfit to go out to dress up and <laughs> really enjoy myself. And it was kind of like a failure to launch. I wonder if when we get through this, it's just going to be like ama- amazeballs.
0: I, I believe that. I really do. I think that, again, like I said, most people are working their full incomes. Most people are, you know, doing their jobs and they're just they have nowhere to spend their money. So I think, I really believe when live events are back, they're going to be back like next level.
2: Better than ever.
0: That, oh, I think people people will have money to spend. They're going to want to spend it. They're going to want to go to concerts. They're going to want to go to, you know, sporting games. They want to go to theater. I think that people will want to go and want to do it. I don't think people are going to want to stay at home anymore. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of money to go into the system. I really believe that that's happening. And I also think that, you know, it's just like this in between time. I, I'm not trying to lay blame on anyone because I think the system was so broken before the pandemic happened that the pandemic's just highlighted the inequities of the system. Like I think this this isn't something that happened overnight.
2: Really highlighted a good point that the pandemic has just shone lights on all of the problems that existed in our society before. We were led to believe that we had it all, but look at what's happening to seniors. Do you, do you think the vaccine is what's going to end this pandemic?
0: Yeah, I, I I think that the vaccine is going to help move us forward and buy us time to figure out what the next five years looks like. I think that we're already learning that with the variants coming from South Africa, from England, that the vaccines that we currently have aren't necessarily as strong towards those new variants like the COVID-19 the. Science is so smart, right? It's just mutating, mutating, mutating. But I do believe that the vaccine is going to help us move forward and figure out how we're going to live in this new world or whatever that looks like. And I think that COVID-19 is going to be like the flu that it's constantly mutating. And every year we're gonna have to get a new COVID-19 shot. Like I really think that it's it's that way of life, which is okay. It's fine. Like it's not scary. And again, the thing too is like. So many people are so scared of COVID-19 because they only read like the really terrible headlines and they're not like, like, okay, again, if I wear my mask, if I wash my hands, I'm going to be okay, right? So many people have so much fear and so much of that is corporate, corporate America, news feeds and social media and all these things that just... It's really awful to see, but I do think that the vaccine is going to be the way to help us move forward in the next couple of years.
2: What do you think the world will look like once we get through COVID? I
0: hope that the world is a kinder place, is a, is a softer place. I feel like the acts of kindness and the social awareness that has been happening over the last 11 months is amazing. I think that the way that people are communicating, that are reaching out to other people, that are helping strangers, that are just even, like, think about, I'm not sure what your world's like, but I think about myself, all the people that send me texts just to say, like, I'm thinking about you today, or how are you, or or things that we never took the time to do before because we were so busy with our make made up busyness. And especially in a place like Toronto, where it was like, I gotta be the smartest, the fastest, there, the earliest, you know, stay the longest. I gotta be connected to all my things. I have to be on this, I have to be there. And the truth is, no, you don't. Because when all of that disappears and everything collapses around you with no fault of your own, what do you have? You have the people, that are in your life. You have your family. You have the people that you have relationships with. That's, that's the most important thing. So I really feel that and hope that life post-pandemic is a kinder life and that people find better balance.
2: Work-life balance focused on our wellness and pursuit of happiness.
0: Yeah. And I will say, Dave, if you had told me this a year ago, I would have laughed in your face. But the truth is I'm happier right now than I was this time last year. Like I, again, the the journey that I've been on personally in the last 11 months and the time I've taken to really reassess what's important to me in my life and finally pursue some of the dreams I've had for my entire life. Like make, doing music is a dream I've had my entire life. And I when I stopped doing music when I was 20 years old, I'm 40 now, it's been 20 years. And it, it I am the happiest I've been in years. And, and if someone had told me you would find happiness in the midst of a pandemic when you when your whole like, perfect life, quote, you know, with quotations, collapsed it around you, I would never, ever, ever believe them. But that's the truth.
2: I identify with that as well. I started writing poetry during the pandemic. And it's helped being creative has helped me do you have time for a poem?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear one.
2: This poem was inspired by a hummingbird in my backyard, there's a family of them. And a friend of mine showed me videos of herself feeding her local squirrel population by hand. So I've started to try to feed the animals by hand. Now I haven't got the hummingbird to take any nectar pollen out of my hand from a hummingbird feeder when I'm holding it. I have been working on the, the feeding mealworms to a toad on my deck, but it will only take it if I put it in front of him. It won't take it out of my hands. But this poem, Hummingbird Way Up High, is inspired by a hummingbird in my backyard and watching it at the feeder. Next year, I'm going to try to hold the feeder while they drink.
0: I, I, I can't wait to see the picture or the video of you doing that.
2: Thank you. And I hope to read this poem one day at Hillside Music Festival. Yes. Hum- hummingbird way up high. Where did it go? Winging it to and fro gracefully like the breeze. Singing to each other through the trees. Each note like their pollen slurps. Magic. Not only to our ears, but to the cycle of life. Knife, that is how their cuteness cuts. Never deep, but still to the bone. Soon they will be gone and a sense of longing for them will return. But never worry, never fear. The hummingbirds will once again be near.
0: I love that. i That's beautiful. And did you know that hummingbirds are like meant to be healers. Like in mythology, they're totally like the healers of the world. They're the ones that are meant to bring forth like, you know, new energy. So I think your poem is bang on. And, you know, I think you, I think you might be predicting some beautiful thing of the future.
2: Manifesting magic and delight. Yeah. Do you think that poem has what it takes to become a dance hall anthem?
0: Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent.
2: That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Thank you very much.
0: Think of the light show that would go with that song. Like think of all the colors, the hummingbirds and how fast their wings fly. And like just, and up there, like I was, I could picture the whole entire light show that goes along with the dance hall anthem of the hummingbird.
2: You've sparked my imagination on what could be as we get into the roaring 20s. Thank you very much for your time today, Lisa. It's been very insightful. And thanks for shining light on the, the very important arts community, you've identified like the arts is getting us through this. Our family and the arts and sports is getting us through this. And I can't wait to watch arts in the audience wherever you're working.
0: Yeah. Well, my plan is come September to host a huge party. I'm going to play all my live music that, uh, you know, I haven't released yet, but a huge party, everybody's invited, you know, and it's going to be like a whole night of like sharing space, dancing, listening to music.
2: I'm excited. Where Can I buy my ticket today?
0: Yeah, don't worry. I'll put you on the guest list. Actually, I don't even want people to buy tickets. I just want everyone to be there and share space and share their energy and just go, okay, it's going to be like a big love fest.
2: Oh, fantastic. That's exactly what the world needs.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, thank you very much and all the best.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Pandemic Show. We're all in this together and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at Pandemyshow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing The Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at Pandemyshow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.